Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. And today we're welcoming Dr. Michelle Veneziano back to the podcast. We're so excited to have her here today. Dr. Veneziano is a family physician and an adjunct professor of osteopathic medicine at Turo University in Northern California. Her approach to non-surgical orthopedics is rooted in cranial osteopathy, a hands-on healing and consciousness practice through which body, mind, and spirit return to balance and well-being. She teaches patients students, and doctors to harvest the wisdom of nature in the body, be our own doctors, and heal with ease and enjoyment. She believes that our original state of wholeness organically reemerges when we restore to our vital fluid nature, to the state of flow we're born with. She's in private practice in Mill Valley, California. And Dr. Veneziano and I went to medical school together. We were pretty close friends. And we've reconnected, as I said, in the last podcast where she was here talking to us about the healing power of the tongue. Today, we're bringing her back to talk to us about headaches, although we kind of delve into some other things. So we brought her back today to talk about menopause and headaches and what you can do to disrupt and reset your nervous system when you have a headache. As usual, we barely touched on the subject, so we're going to be having her back soon for menopause and headaches part two. During the conversation, we talk about what is osteopathy and what osteopaths do, how to help your body to fix itself, the need for homeostasis, the rhythm of the body, and we talk about suffering and talk about its meaning and what to do when you're stuck, the definition of pain, how to change your relationship with your body, and stay to the end to find out about continuum movement and the importance importance of the right kind of hydration to optimize your health. At the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcasts, where you can find the show notes plus the links on the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoy this episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. So you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Thank you so much for all of the five star reviews. And if you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast so that more women can find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause. No one should have to go it alone. If you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me on Instagram or my Facebook page at Dr. Michelle Gordon. I promise I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks for being a part of the menopause movement. And just so you know, as a podcast listener, we currently have a beta program where you can go and take a course all about understanding menopause and understanding your hormones and managing your menopause. It's all about what's actually happening happening in your body, understanding what's going on. And the course is actually valued at $500. Because you're a podcast listener, you can go and take this course absolutely free. And all you have to do is go to menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones, and you can get in and discover all about what's happening in your body and understanding how to manage your menopause. I'll see you there. Now let's get to Dr. Veneziano. Well, Dr. Viziziano, welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. And one of the biggest complaints that I see, along with weight gain and like a loss of sense of self, is these headaches that women start to get when menopause hits. And I just, you know, I want to, I want to just preface this episode by saying that, you know, we're going to talk about headaches, but we're also going to talk about, you know, maybe a little bit of alternative medicine, probably a little bit of energy healing and energy work. And so we might delve a little bit into the woo. And if, if you have a problem with the woo, then maybe this episode isn't for you. <laughs> I think it's really important that we look at that. And I think the first thing we should talk about before we can talk about headaches is let's talk about the kind of doctors we are. I, I, we went to school, medical school together. We went to uh, an osteopathic medical school in Southern California, and we took very different paths. You know, I became a surgeon. You became a, a practitioner in the, the thing that makes osteopathic medicine different from allopathic medicine or the MDs. And so I'd like to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about that and what that means. <laughs> Yeah, great. I love how you said that. Well, it's funny because I was really attracted to surgery and I consider what I do non-surgical orthopedic intervention, which isn't even accurate. But I do a lot of orthopedics working with, really, if I had to simplify it, it's like nervous system regulation. 
because right osteopathy or manual osteopathy is more popularly known, sort of a watered down version of this working with the cranium and the sacrum. Most people have heard of craniosacral, right? So that's really about unlocking the nervous system, uh, the hubs of the restorative nervous system, the skull, parasympathetic at the base of the skull, cranial nerves, and the tailbone. So what that means is we work with the nervous system to reset the body to self-regulation capability. Homeostasis. We, yes, homeostasis. We love homeostasis. Yes, the do. body wants to stay in homeostasis. That's that's like one of the big tenets that I talk about when when I try to, when I tell people that they don't have to balance their hormones. It's <laughs> Yeah, right. The body will basically do it for you if you can hit homeostasis. Right. Well, you just I mean, you just have to you have to understand. I mean, who who wants us to balance our hormones? And when when you start thinking about balancing hormones, right? Who wants us to balance our hormones? Probably the pharmaceutical companies or the supplement companies who who make a lot of money by yeah. selling us shit, selling us well, stuff, right? Also, the, the point where if there's an issue, if there's some kind of signal, pain, um, discomfort the body's giving you, it's because it's telling you something. It yeah. wants some kind of support. And so just blanketing the symptom doesn't really get at the underlying cause. So osteopathy in its purest form, you know, going back to the 18, late 1800s is really about helping the body um, find its own answers and not using external interventions like medication unless absolutely necessary. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's really simple. I, I actually, you know, there's a there's a s official definition of osteopathy that we're supposed to use in public things. I don't really remember it. I, I, I right? Know. But I yeah. think that um, we're basically doing uh, tending to nature as it is expressed in the body. How do we optimize the laws of nature and their ability to really conduct us our health? Yeah, How do we, yeah that's a little vague. But. That's great. So when it comes to menopause, you know, I like to say that there's no one size fits all answer that, that each one of us is unique. We all have our unique DNA. And we're going to respond to life and the changes that come about in menopause, you know, which is, as I like to call a privilege of a long life, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a different, it's, it's like a new phase that we get to go through. And when we can start to think of it like that, then the problems that we might start to have can get you know, be a little bit minimized, right? Absolutely. But you're reminding, oh, yeah, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, you're reminding me just now of something I didn't think I might talk about, but I'm remembering a preceptor of mine during um, externship years, and he was trying to, one of my osteopathic manual medicine mentors, and he said, you know, you, you guys don't learn that menopause is a really essential shift in life toward uh, maybe opening up to greater intuitive ca capabilities yeah. or deeper levels of wisdom. Um, and he was just trying in the short time that we were together to help me understand how important and what a beautiful gift this phase is. So that that's such a great reframe of menopause because what what a lot of what happens to a lot of women is they come into it and and I'm telling you I've surveyed tens of thousands of women now and I've read most most of them. I mean I read the surveys. People people apply to become a beta tester. Most for the most the podcast listeners don't have to. They get to bypass the application. But um but they they apply and one of the questions we ask is you know how is menopause affecting you and what would you do if if there were a magic you know solution and it's just you know that the, there's so many commonalities that we see and and it's it's all for the most part what we see is the suffering how it's affecting my life i don't recognize myself i'm gaining all this weight you know things like that and what what I had to do in creating the menopause movement was to really take a look at what is really happening to me? Why do I feel like I'm a different person or that I'm an alien, like an alien has taken over? Why am I crying at commercials? Why am I craving food? All that stuff, right? I had to, I had to look at that. And then, I, and then I was like, okay, well, how do I solve this problem? Because I've always been outcome oriented. And, you know, as a surgeon, right? He, we're outcome oriented. We, you know, the, there's something broken. I have to fix it, right? So, so I, I, I went under, you know, did this undertaking and and came up with the mental system, and and we, you know, were able to help women completely transform their lives. But what I'm seeing that's missing is this opportunity, this opportunity to step back and and look at ourselves from a different perspective, 
And that's that's what I think is missing in the marketplace. And that's what I think is missing in, in everyone who talks about menopause. It's like, well, it's this real big struggle. It doesn't have to be because I think suffering can be optional. That's not to say that, you know, you don't suffer when you get a headache, going back to our topic. but No, absolutely. I love all that. That is exactly the point. I tried to work into my, I made some notes and I thought, what are all the important things I would say about uh, headaches that are specific to osteopathy? And I kept coming back to this, you know, this shifting into this later phase of life is really not so compatible with, like you said, this outcome-driven value system that we right. have. It's like a time in life where we're like, no, this is not what my body wants. I want to be present. I want to be participating in life on, on more of like a quality, deeper level and attending to these nuances of self that are revealing themselves at this time in life. And, and really, you could summarize it as like when you said outcome driven, that's very masculine. You know, we all it have is. a masculine way. I, I, I do. The saying that I've heard talked in Buddhist circles is that feminine beings have women have 51% um, feminine and 49% masculine, like we all have both but they need to be in balance and later in life the body wants what it wants and we can't override it anymore and that's a good thing because it's drawing us toward the quality of life that we're really looking for that we may not have known because we've been a part of a culture that really lives a different way mm. well so, patriarchy exactly yeah. And, and and the feminine has not been, I mean, the feminine has, has been really quashed because of how historically men have seen women as powerful. And so, you know, the fact that we give birth and, and things like that, but I mean, that, that takes us off the topic. So let's Absolutely. go back to. I think it's going to all be woven in a bunch of times and it's brilliant. Thank you for bringing that up. You got right to the point, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. But I do tend to, I do tend to wax quite a bit. So, so, so when it comes to when it comes to headaches, though, I mean, there are a few causes of headaches, and, and I'm not a headache specialist. And I, I, I would expect that you being an osteopath, a practicing osteopath who does manual manipulation probably knows a lot more about headaches than I do. But what I do know about headaches is that we can have hormonal headaches. And we could, you know, you can take this however you want to go with it. But, but when it comes to women who start taking hormone replacement or women who start taking birth control, if, if they already have migraines, then they might, they might get worse. Or if you already have migraines, going through menopause might make your, your headaches worse. Or you might just have headaches just because the hormone fluctuations. So when it comes to those sorts of things, what are your, what are your recommendations? All right. I typically don't prescribe hormones. I actually believe the body's capable of regulating its own hormones. And it really comes down to, are we tending to this place in the body where we're running harder than it wants to? Because if we're in homeostasis, the body really does have a, a pretty brilliant and reliable way that it generates the chemicals that it needs. So that might be off of the chemical direction you want to go with hormones, but in my opinion, yeah. So uh, I teach people how to do their own osteopathy. I mean, I can't mm. see everyone. And so I started out um, trying to get people stable in, um, you know, while they were waiting to get into my schedule. And a lot of the times they didn't have, ever need it at, to end up coming in. Which you put yourself out of a job. Well, that's just fine with me. There aren't that many of us. We're like um, true manual osteopaths are maybe 1,500 nationwide in the U.S. I think a lot more in Europe and Canada. So we're, we're not um, underutilized by any stretch of the imagination. I, in fact, if I, I, thought, I think if everyone knew what we actually do, we'd be in trouble. So Because I, it's why? Because it's so, it's so, so woo? No, it's not actually woo at all. Um, it's just basically biomechanics of the body and how to optimize it. We're, we're mechanics of the body. So there's a masculine way to go about that, which some DOs are very um, mechanical in that here's something stuck, I'm going to unstick it. Well, that's like and a chiropractor. Then, well, yeah, but we do a lot of adjustments. I sure. actually do quite a few. However, I do them on the heels of doing this more subtle neuroendocrine uh, reset in the body, which is releasing the brainstem and the 
cranial nerves at the base of the skull, cranial base. This is the hub of the parasympathetic nervous system in the upper body. And then we have the sacrum and the pelvis where we have a lot of the, the opposite pole, the other pole of this restorative um, hub of the nervous system. And we tend to be so compressed in these areas, right? The headaches come in, we have a lot of the time um, well, classically speaking, right, the, there's actually a bone at the center of the head called the sphenoid and it mm-hmm. connects to the base of the skull and the center of the head. And as long as that junction has the ability to transmit wave, it, it's not necessarily actually physically moving, although some have um, measured small fluctuations. It's more like, is it pliable? Can it, can it like flex a little bit or can wave move through it? And I've actually seen some functional MRIs that are mind-blowing of how much motion is in the, happens in the brain just when the heart beats. Mm. Every cell in the body, and you can imagine um, a tuning fork's pretty dense. It's more dense than bone, but yeah. waves move through it, and they move through um, our bones as well when the heart beats, when we sing, when we walk, when we talk. And so the ability for there to be subtle motion through all of those subtle connections and even the bone cells because it's that motion it's like a microtransduction at the cellular level that kind of supports all the chemicals uh, all the neurochemicals happening and even the bones staying hydrated enough to support the um, brain itself speaking speaking of hydration how much water do you recommend oh i have that on my list here that's a whole topic we're going to get to it we're going to get water with, with headaches. So where do you want to go next? I want to talk about, um, let's say you listen to this podcast and you're like, oh, I want my cranium and sacrum to move. I don't have an osteopath nearby. I don't have a craniosacral person nearby. How am I going to create that for myself? So if you recall, we talked once before, we talked all about how the tongue is an osteopath living in your head. I coined that. No one else has said it, but a well-functioning tongue is unbelievably powerful. Every time we swallow, <clears throat> if our tongue actually can rest completely on the roof of our mouths, it's about a pound of pressure, one to 2,000 times a day, sending one of these mechanotransduction experiences through the entire brain. and all of the bones. So it keeps that ability for the entire body, ultimately cranium and sacrum, the whole body can just subtly flex in a rhythmic, steady way. Like you're talking about homeostasis. In osteopathy, we talk about primary respiration, the ability of the whole body to fluctuate with its own rhythm. Like we have rhythms of the planet, we have circadian rhythms of our lives and our sleep. Rhythms are really everything. If we don't attend to tuning ourselves like an instrument and being in resonance with the world, we're going to suffer. So the question I have then, if, if, if we want to get the body into a rhythm and, and something is stuck, what, I mean, we, we do have a whole podcast all about the healing power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. And, th- you know, it's probably a good idea to go back and watch that one before you watch this one. Um, but what role do you think then would a meditative or spiritual practice play in getting this rhythm of the body open back up? Well, that is what spiritual practice is. Meditative and spiritual practice brings the body down into enough of a stillness to find its own tempo again and, and sync back up with the greater world. It's it's like an entrainment experience, right? You what, get, what is an entrainment experience? I'm so sorry, people aren't going to know that. Like, two instruments playing different notes their their frequencies are different when they tune to each other and there's harmony that's entrainment it's really right. simple or I don't know the another simpler. way would be to say that you have a bunch of clocks in a room mm-hmm. that start out all at different talks yeah, one think. that has the highest that has the, the strongest frequency will put them all into they'll get hey. trained to go at the same time or metronomes a whole room full of metronomes start off doing whatever they want and then after a, after a time they just end up together it's the craziest thing can i just say something here sure you just described how basically all of nature works <laughs> and yet our culture thinks that's the craziest thing i sit here and i'm like what 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 people like this is how nature works and yet we're going to 
um, you know, think these things are kind of random and interesting. Um, well, yeah. it's not necessarily random because we know it's it's synchronicity. It's, yeah. it's I mean, things get synced up, uh, but but it's also crazy in the fact that it's not something that we experience every day because we're not slowing down enough to to, to look That's at right. it and see I it. I would say suffering equals that. To the extent that we are out of phase, we are in dissonance. Well, I like that. And we can talk a bit about suffering because I think there's I think there's more to it. And I think suffering begins when we start to add meaning to events. Mm, absolutely. And and I'm spending a lot of time actually learning about this and, and figuring out how to put this into practice so that I can mm. help, you know, all of the all of the ladies who have joined as minnow mates to really take control of their lives. And what what I've found is that is that it really is it is in the beliefs and in the meanings and, and if we can change those things, if we can change those things, then uh, you know we we can we can make our life anything we want, and that's that's so powerful. I love it. If it's simple but not easy. Simple, oh, exactly. I actually said simple but not easy in a yeah. podcast I did recently, but you just hit on the million dollar thing because. Once you're in phase, like I, I imagine you've had the experience in a wonderful meditation session or yoga or, or cycling or when you're really in the zone, you're not in your head. It becomes much more right. easy in that state to differentiate truth, like your truth, the body resonates with truth versus a story in the head that we, um, most of us live up here, you know, 90 plus percent of the time, and you're not ever going to have a shortage of limiting beliefs if you're in your head. And the key to, I guess, being able to step back a little bit into an observer role and notice, oh, what's going on in my head versus taking it as truth, being more curious and interested. And, oh, I do have some interesting beliefs that actually don't resonate with my body. And then that becomes, um, you know, a little less terrifying to excavate. Yeah, that's that's true. And actually, if you want to delve a little bit more deeply into that, there's a really good book uh, by the HeartMath Institute called The HeartMath Connection. And that is, um, I, I found that to be, I was listening to it yesterday. Um, the HeartMath, oh, so HeartMath Solution. Yeah, yep. it's by Doc Childre and Howard Martin. Mm -hmm. And I have it on my list here of things I knew you'd yeah. want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting because when you, when you can... When you can just sit and focus on on your heart, it's it's almost impossible to have any sort of negative feeling when you when you really start to focus on the heart. And the heart has its own own brain, just like the gut has its own brain. I mean, there's so much physiology here that that we can we can actually influence with our thoughts. And if you ever are stuck in depression, the main thing to do is to start finding some some gratitude and move your body. Now I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who has to, who has a, a diagnosis, although it would help. It does help when, when, whenever, you know, I get down, what I do is I find some way to move my body and find my emotions that give me joy. And gratitude is always the precursor to joy. Always. Absolutely. I think gratitude might be that most powerful metronome in the room that can just bring everything um, days. It is the quickest way back to ourselves and back to this phase entrainment with nature. So let's let's moving back to headaches then. How how do we find gratitude when we have a headache that feels debilitating, when we see auras or when we when we can't get out of bed because you know, as soon as we as soon as we move our bodies, it, there's a throbbing and it lasts for a week. What what kinds um, of things can we do then? Well, there's a neuroplastic part where you are going to have to practice for a while getting in um, to these like entrainment states where uh, what matches that is when the nervous system is in balance between, you know, the, it's not necessarily parasympathetic, sympathetic, but there is a, 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 over time the body has to remember how to rest in regulated states. So if you don't have immediate know-how of how to do it, don't give up. And so for my patients, what I do, um, and I do really, really recommend people find a cranial osteopath or craniosacral practitioner, is we can actually re help reset that and then train you how to maintain it. And it really has to do with connecting your attention to sensory experience in the body. That's probably the main thing I teach. So if you're lying there 
in bed with a debilitating headache, having your attention tune as much as possible to sensations in the lower body. It's extremely powerful. Sometimes I just have people rub their feet um, on some kind of texture that they love. And I, I have them, I tell them every second you spend connecting with your attention to a sensory experience in the lower body, imagine you're building one neuron for holding that state. And I wrote it down here that I watch when people are on the table, I feel all of this pressure and stress charge, I can feel it as an intensity, start to actually move down and spread out to a more homogenous um, state in the whole body. And then there's also a way that that being connected to the earth, right, having your attention move down into um, connection with the earth can have that stress charge start to dissipate off, almost siphon off down into the planet. It's amazing. I, sometimes I can feel it happening. That's interesting. And, and so for somebody who's suffered from migraines for, say, 40, 50 years, do you think they, or, or even for the person who's just started suffering from migraines, do you think, or not, or headaches, or debilitating headaches, however you want to call them, do you think that some of that is habit, and it's yeah. habit, it's and it's not habit in the sense that yeah, I get up in the morning and I and I have a cup of coffee, right? That's a habit. Or I get up in the morning and I drink a glass of water. That's a habit. But we have these these ways of reacting to certain stimuli that are habitual. Mm-hmm. And that's and, why I brought up the neuroplasticity part. Yeah, we have that, that's to great. Train the body to, to um, I call it default, or um, you know, retrain it basically to rest in a, a different state. We have to grow new neurons, and we have we do that when we slow down and we get connected to the body. And in menopause, basically, the body's demanding it. It won't let you miss out on the enjoyment opportunities of this period of life by being gone. It's like, no, come back in. This is a great time. Let's be here together. Let's be connected with life and the planet and and ourselves in this deeper way. It's almost like I wrote this down here. I think it's the most important thing. Like if the body's giving us pain, it's wanting something. Right. And um, I'm glad that it doesn't give up on fighting for us in that way. So would you suggest that people try to sit still and ask what their body's trying to tell them? I suggest that people connect to their heart and follow it. Because what brings a person back in is unique for each of us. And I think the largest thing that's being asked by the body is that we come into a relationship with it and listen. How do you connect to your heart? How do I connect to my heart? It really depends on the day, like this moment. And you asked me, I tuned into it and I felt, I felt like this, um, I just felt it expand out the back side. Just interesting, right? Yeah. Remember, I don't know if I brought this up last time we talked, but my favorite saying is um, how Dr. Dan Siegel, he's a researcher in mindfulness and clinical psychiatrist at UCLA. He summarizes the neuroscience as where attention goes Energy neural flows. firing flows and neural wiring grows. So that. my regard now going into my heart, noticing what's happening, the heart gets excited. It's like, oh, you're here to be with me. <laughs> and um, I consider the heart the sun of the solar system of us, this whole system. Whenever I treat people on the body, it all references the heart. It's like, we treat the head, we treat the pelvis, but we ultimately have to get everything um, referenced to the heart or the body's doing that. We have to pay attention and follow it. And that's where it leads us. So how do I get into my heart? Obviously, imagine I, I, I will sit down and write 10 things I'm grateful for on the fly. Like I have, that is that, All right, this is a little bit out there. My that practice is so powerful. I remember after a meditation, I was inspired and I just did it and I started seeing colors. Like I the gratitude can be so powerful, it can make you hallucinate or it can definitely shift you to an altered state. It, no it can change well, it can definitely change your state. And so in terms of somebody who's stuck in a headache because we're we are still talking about headache, one one of the things that that I think we could ask them to do and you tell me if you think I'm wrong is to find find out find out what's good in their life right now. And you know, and and this again, it seems woo, right? But we yeah. we've spent we've spent all this all this capital 
on medications that are supposed to manage migraines. And we're seeing an increase in migraines and a decrease. And it, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, I had migraines for a long time. And what did I do? I, I took Imitrex and I took Topamax and I did all these things. And at the end of the day, when I shifted a couple things in my diet and started taking magnesium, I stopped getting migraines. Oh, yeah. I get one maybe every, I don't know, every three to six months, but, and it's usually stuck in my eye. That's, that's what a migraine looks like mm -hmm. for me, but it's never oh. completely debilitating. And I'm always able to do my work now. That's amazing. I actually have magnesium written down. Diet is such a no brainer. I don't even write it down anymore, but I'm glad <laughs> you brought it up. Yeah. Right? Well, it's no not a no brainer to people who don't know, right? People wow. don't know what they don't know. And what, what a lot of people don't know is that the, the food industry is not out there to nourish us. It's out there to make money. And, yeah. and fast food restaurants have, they spend billions of dollars every year on how to make you addicted to their yeah. food. And, so and it affects your genetics. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And, and that's so true. And sometimes we have limited access. And when that happens, I found it extremely powerful to be grateful for whatever food I have and to feel really tuned into the enjoyment of eating it if I have to eat something I don't think is of the highest service to my body. There are ways. Like French fries and potato chips, I my love, favorite. I, you know, I had some potato chips yesterday, but my body was, I rarely do. And then I was so excited about it. I could feel almost, at least I tell myself I can feel my biochemistry brighten. It's just, my body said, I just want this little pleasure right now. Yeah. and. And, you know, I let it have those things. I don't get into a deprivation relationship with my body ever, really. And then over time, as we begin to do this neuroplastic adaptation to feeling good, as we tune into the body and we're like, oh, that's really an amazing feeling. And we savor those positive, bright feelings that we connect to in the body. Our desires will change. We will be attracted to um, more and more nourishing food over time. Mm. So That's know that really the whole true. thing is like a tr is like a process of shifting, and there's no part in which I um, make myself bad for what I want. I just notice I have humor and curiosity, and then I move on to feel good about the experiments I'm doing in the direction that I'm researching. I love that. And th if if you want to start. Yeah, if you're listening to this or watching this right now and you want to start a mindfulness practice, I think one of the best places to start is with Headspace. And the reason I love Headspace uh, as a as a beginner's tool is that Andy Pettacombe, who used to be a monk, he what he did is he created all these courses that just basically tells you how to be mindful. The longest meditation on there is 20 minutes. Hmm. And uh, what I've what I've learned from Andy is that you know, I learned this process, what you just talked about called noting. And so you're sitting there and a lot of people think that sitting in meditation is, you know, blanking out your mind. But in reality, what when you're sitting in meditation, it's all about allowing thoughts to go by. And one of the ways that you can do that is by noting what they are. Oh, that's thinking. Oh, that's feeling. And when you, when you do that, you can actually find the, the ability to focus your brain, which is, you know, you're treating it like a muscle, right? Focus your brain into the present moment, focusing on your breath or, or whatever it is. And that can take your attention away from anything that ails you. I mean, I've, I found it to be very, very powerful. I, really ah, I love that. I wrote it down. Thank you. I'm going to yeah. research it. And the feminine takes at one level higher, which is if you're if your attention's in your body and you're feeling, you cannot think. You don't actually have to work at quieting your mind because you can't feel and think at the same time. They're off opposite settings, right? Because we have um, fight, flight, freeze, hide, and then we have rest, digest, heal, feel. So if we really, really train ourselves to feeling, not only do we, the mind quiets without effort, and I think it's a combination of, um, you know, you're still going to have some thoughts and you can work with them in this beautiful way that you just mentioned. And as you begin to connect your attention to your physical self, and I mean, every cell in your body can start humming when this happens ultimately. And I'm going to explain the practice 
I um, send people to for self osteopathy meditation, which is movement based and breath and sound and really getting into this full body resonance kind of, you know, primordial morphing state, which sounds maybe a little strange, but oh my God, it's so, it's like having a really deep healing and it's, um, so I guess I went off right into that. Yeah, no, I want to know about that. Let's just, yeah, let's just go ahead and move on to that. And my I'm sorry, start the, say that one more time. It's yeah, called it's what? Called continuum movement. Continuum okay. movement. I call it self-osteopathy. No one else calls it that. But for me, um, that's a really great nutshell description um, because it really does bring the nervous system into regulation. And it really does. It's like t- tuning the instrument of the body. And where do we find oh, that? How do where do we yeah. find well, for, if you're really interested, like in diving deep in, in a lot of the things that I'm talking about, there's um, what I consider the textbook of feminine osteopathy is called Engaging the Movement of Life. It's by mm-hmm. my mentor, Bonnie Gintis, D.O. It was written in 2007. It's very, very, very cutting edge. And it, and it talks back then about the magnesium and the hydration topic we're going to touch on in a minute. Um because we know more about water now than well, we know we know things about water that optimize hydration much more efficiently. Ah, we know how nature hydrates. So let's swing back to that in a minute. I just want to show this. It's a beautiful bottle. So if you're if you're watching, <laughs> if you're watching, you see this great big bottle that is in focus, and my face is not. And this is uh, this. I just got this yesterday, and it's eighty seven ounces, and it's a it's a vacuum insulated water bottle and because I had a plastic one that I was using and I dropped it and it broke. And so I've got this vacuum insulated one. I carry it around now and I've already had half of it today. It's just the middle of my day. Wonderful. And so, yeah. And so, so let me um, finish up with explaining continuum because it's too good to miss. And I'm going to make sure you know exactly where to go for this. It's related to the hydration because it's one and the same. Like we're finding our way back to some primordial, um, you know, cellular level of aliveness and motion um, system wide. And, you know, like we were when we were babies, everything was moving, everything was engaged, all of our emotions were real time, we weren't blocked up, we were fully able to participate and also experience our full range of motions in in real time. So babies are very present. And then our culture gradually trains us away um, I don't even like to say that as if we're victims or something, but there's some trend, right? Where we go away from that native state. We have to, we have to live. I mean, what, what are we really? We're, we're, we're spiritual. We're spiritual beings having yeah. a human experience. We come in, we know we're spiritual. And then, and then the human experience takes over. And some of us remember, some of us get to find out that, well, oh yeah, we're spiritual. And some of us have got to come back and do it again. And that's okay. Well, I think also that you could um, say that we go away so that we can learn how we how to come back because that's also a beautiful experience and I think menopause is really a big part of that like we really have been away for a big part of our super productive active lives and now now and I'm in menopause as well it's this beautiful time of rediscovering who we actually are yeah, and well, being still. And and I, and when I say stillness, like this mindfulness practice, like we want to be the feminine is in motion. We don't want to sit on the cushion and just be in our head. We want to savor some kind of sensory, um, pleasurable sensory experience in every cell in our body. Like that's what gets my energy moving, and that's what lights up my heart. And that's what Continuum Movement is. Um, this book, Engaging the Movement of Life by Bonnie Gentistio. There are teachers who have um, beautiful classes online that are, oh, I just am so waiting for, for women to discover this mode. The, the um, teaching of it was developed by a professional dancer from New York City um, in the 50s. She went down to Haiti, experienced tribal dance and altered states and some kind of, you know, rejuvenation of her connection with nature. And she was never the same. She couldn't Mm. teach dance the same. And then she used her body as a laboratory and actually did quite a bit of research um, with a physiology PhD at UCLA named Valerie Hunt, who's now passed. But what is it that this mindful fluid connection, um, 
what does it bring to our physiology and our capabilities of human beyond the mental? It's mm. very, very deep stuff. It's a very, very, very quick way to get back. I would say the quickest way to neuroplastically reprogram the body, mind, spirit, heart, um, beliefs. It's just uh, really gets us back in touch with ourselves. So the only thing that, that I, I'm concerned about there is a bit of uh, maybe spiritual appropriation or cultural appropriation when it comes to to that right that's we as a as a species have uh, especially the the white the white people have gone and Mm -hmm. taken anything that we wanted out of out of any other culture and turned it into our own and and oh i see what you're meaning yeah it's not she didn't take hatial tribal dance she took the experience of being connected with herself and explored it's like the experience of being connected with nature and feeling this experience of synchrony or phase, being in phase with nature. So it's yeah. just that. It's this it. is really simple. Just like you said when we started, the 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 deep stuff is the really simple stuff that's not necessarily easy, but we're talking about the most basic. Um, this happens to be one of many. You could do tai chi, qigong, yoga can get you there. Mm-hmm. Although. I found that since I've practiced continuum, when I go and do yoga and I connect with my attention to every cell in my body and I imagine myself morphing like a primordial, you know, substance, it's powerful. Like I can start moving so much energy that I don't feel like I weigh as much. Sometimes I'm in class and maybe I haven't been there for months and I'm just starting to, um, it's like an electromagnetic effect. I actually, it's like static cling on a sock. I start to be really buoyant and kind mm. of like, I'm moving like, I'll, I'm giving you an example, like this subtle yeah, fluctuation. So what, what, but that's, I mean, I think that all goes back to flow. It, it, it all, it's flow. the same thing. It's, you know, it's all goes back to getting into a flow state. And, totally. and when we talk about um, flow, I mean, there's a really great book by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And it's basically about getting into flow and how that's also just like kind of having a headache. It's, it's a practice. It's a, it's a habit. And there are certain things that I can do where I can just do it without, without even worrying about time. And one of the things, you know, that I can is writing. When I start to write, when I start to write with purpose, I, I get into a flow and I can uh, put out two, three, 4,000 words without even thinking about it. Right. And yeah, so, all right. So we've got a uh, continuum. I think you nailed it because flow is really about being connected to what you love. If you love to write, that's where you get into your flow state. It's the yeah. same getting connected to your heart. I'm sure that if we were doing physiologic me- uh, measurements of your heart, when you're writing, we would find some beautiful coherence readings I'm happening. Sure. Yeah. My HRV would be going up all of that. Exactly. So, so- Let's so we, let's move on to let's move on because we're we're running out of time so we're probably hmm. have to kind of have you come back to do headaches part two. Let's. I don't think I did any of my notes or, or just well, a few. This is how it is. This is, hey, this is yeah. let's talk about water. Yeah, let's talk about the role about of water and magnesium when it comes to headaches. Right. So uh, I recommend a book by um, Gina Bria and Dana Cohen. It just came out. It's very hot. Dana Cohen is an MD. Gina Bria is an anthropologist who has looked at how the cultures of the world have hydrated throughout the ages. And mostly it's through foods. Foods create the most biologically compatible delivery of water to our cells, right? We know now that the water has to get into our cells and the magnesium really helps with that. So on that note, flotation, sensory deprivation tanks that are high Epsom or whatever magnesium salt that they use um, once or twice a month, if you're really in the red with hydration, can super boost hydrating your cells. And then it's a lot easier to maintain hydration than get it going from scratch because tap water is a little tricky. Like, yeah, you well, wanna- I want to I just uh, point out that we I did a I did a podcast with Kristen Bowen all about magnesium and osteoporosis and yeah. how, how she found that her red blood cell magnesium was so low that, that her body started falling apart. And she, and, and there's that podcast is really powerful and, and it's one of the first ones. So you got to kind of go back to find it. I don't remember which, which one it is. It's probably like 10 between it's in the first 20 and she actually now, because it was such a big change for her, she actually sells those, on on her website and you can get a link from that podcast but 
it, it, magnesium is such an important element and we don't hear enough about it. Absolutely. I love a, a product. It's uh, We can't actually really get it sufficiently from our diet. So I use, I love this uh, topical magnesium. It's, what's it called? It's from the Radiant Life Company, which is mm. connected to Weston A. Price. I just find it, uh, I'm always looking for lovely um, ex experiences for our age group, right? Because I really think we need to have beautiful a, a comfortable, um, luxurious ex experiences as often as possible. I so like yes, that. I really, really, really. And then I take an Epsom salt bath almost every night. Clears my, um, clears me electrically. It really is a bit of an electrical reset. It's mm. also a muscle relaxant, right? It's going to hydrate and bring more. Um, it's going to, it's a smooth muscle relaxant to even vascularity. So it really can be um, a quick way to get uh, your, bl your blood flow um, opened up into the head. It can be really helpful with migraines, by the way. Mm. And Epsom baths are probably my quickest fix-all for just about anything, right? It's the heat, it gets the energy up. We're often quite cool in this phase of life. And then it gets us into our body because we're enjoying the experience of the bath. And then we have the hydration piece with that. And then we have the smooth muscle relaxation. So magnesium is magic for menopause. <laughs> and I'm going to go yeah. back and listen to that podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. And then this other thing, fourth phase of water. I don't know if you've um, listened to the research of Gerald Pollack. I think we're going to maybe have to come back and do another podcast on hydration specifically. Because it's a beautiful, huge topic. And that book, Quench is an amazing place to start. But basically, we need to get water inside the cells. Magnesium helps. We also have foods that deliver like a fourth phase of water in nature in cells in plants. It's actually an H3O2, more ionized form that um, helps with all the electrical potential that we're talking about. That and so how, how specifically then does increasing your water intake decrease your headaches? The water has to get into the cell. It's a quality, not a quantity thing with water. Eight glasses a day is old school from okay. my point of view. Um, I have my patients soak chia seeds because that becomes a water. It's like a time release delivery system that can um, actually hydrate the body, at least maximizing the four ounces of water an hour that we think are possible to actually tissue delivery. And then berries, melons, green juicing, those are probably my big things. And then if you're going to drink water from that container, for instance, you might want to put something in it that helps it ionize, like a little bit of a mint tea or a little bit of lemon or a little bit of salt. And that creates, um, and when we optimize these solutions and we actually test them in the lab, I'm getting pretty involved with this hydration thing. Mm -hmm. We find up to a five-fold efficiency of absorption into cells, um, and this applies to plants as well. And there are devices that um, can be purchased now to restore water to this more expanded state as it exists in nature that, like I said, is more biocompatible with the cell wall and offers this potential of fivefold increase in rate of hydration. So um, I love talking about this topic. I well, when, uh, when we're when we're more hydrated, are we less prone to migraines? Absolutely. We're less okay. prone to everything. All right. So you're saying add a pinch of like Himalayan sea salt to my to my big big fat bottle of water. I am, and I'm saying, what else would you love? I'm always going to ask you, yeah. what do you what do you <laughs> what do you love? Where can you find the joy? Let's make fun. Let's have some fun. We have to have fun. My the fun most fun thing I do in my business right now is these podcasts. I absolutely enjoy them so much because I get to learn stuff. I get to talk about things I'm interested in. And, and it's just, it's just a real, a real joy. So I was so excited to come back on here and be with you. And partially because I want to say, like, you've always been so fun. We had so much fun in med school. I would say, you know, we each pick out like, who are the beacons that are really kind of like awake in this world? And for me, you were one of them for sure. Well, that's very sweet. I don't think I was that awake back then. I was really worried about like getting through school and keeping my son alive back then. Yeah, well, your essential self is still um, always, you know, seeable, in my opinion. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So in terms of 
practical things. I mean, we didn't, we, we're, we're going to have you have to come. This is going to have to be headaches part one. We'll do headaches part two again uh, after you come back from your, your operation and, and recovery. Yeah. I don't think folks know I'm having an Achilles repair today because I was oh. having so much fun playing pickleball like a mad woman a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Was I'm it, so it was sorry fun. to hear that. What's one tip that you can give our, give our guests in parting that, you know, if, if they're in a migraine right now, what's one thing that they can do that, that could possibly get them out if they, if they actually took action on it? I think probably this feeling of the lower body and breathing in three, 360 degrees as if every cell in your body was receiving the motion of the breath. Is probably the quickest way to reset the nervous system. And that's going to have your blood vessels dilate and literally bring more blood to the brain. And it's going to increase your nitric oxide, which comes through the nose. When you have your tongue on the roof of your mouth and you're breathing through your nose, you're going to get a large dose of vasodilating gases, carbon dioxide and nitric oxide, brilliantly and immediately um, open the blood vessels in the brain. And I have imaging of that. I'll bring it next time. Okay. All right. Was there anything else you were hoping to share before we have to close? Um, I want to just tell people, you know, I am findable. My website has a lot of articles on I've written on the subjects I've talked about. And I'm also offering um, teaching on these different topics. And also I'm writing a book that includes all of it. I actually got good headway on that since straining my ankle. I am now uh, well into a full outline and part. I, I, maybe that's why I strained my ankle because this book really needs to be written. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, when you're pregnant with book, it's it's really hard to to avoid it. it, it the universe will make you will make you do it. So uh, michelleveneziano.do.net, that's where we can find you. And we'll put that, hook that up in your, in your show notes. And we're going to bring you back uh, soon for Headaches Part 2. I love that. I can't wait. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. This is why I've created this brand new course called Understanding Your Hormones and Managing Your Menopause. I want to show you how you can get on top of your menopause right now so that you can start to see it as the best time of your life. Now, this course is valued at $500 and is in the beta testing phase. And we're currently accepting applications for women to test it out for us at no charge in exchange for feedback and testimonials. But the best part is because you're a podcast listener, you can bypass the application process and go straight to the front of the line. To register right now, simply visit menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones and we can get started together right now. Remember, you can get started right now at no charge to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials when you go to menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones. And I'll see you inside the course. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Mm -hmm.